Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Wow, the read caught me off guard. I'm used to it saying 50% every week. Guys, this is a 100% welcome bonus from Bet Online. That's awesome. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE to receive that reward. That is B L E A V, Bet Online, where the game starts. War Eagle Party, people. What's up, everybody? Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell coming at you on video. What's up? This is right. so strange. <laughs> I know. Sometimes we, you got to show our face. You know, we got to show know. our face sometimes. Uh, we do. We're going to yeah. try and do this more often. It's always my fault. I'll take full responsibility because my my girl listeners out there, y'all will get it. You know, I live in makeup. I work on camera all the time. And like Tuesday, Wednesdays are usually my days to just like not get ready. I walk around looking like a mess. And just give the skin a break, give the hair break, you know? So a lot of times Jason will be like, you want to do video? And I'm like, no, I look like a troll, <laughs> but I'm going to try more. We're going to work it into the schedule because yeah. I like watching like podcasts that I listen to. I like watching video components. So it's, it's only fair that we do this. All right. And see the people want to hear the the voices behind the microphones and You're right. You know, maybe once every three episodes. Yeah, we try to pop we'll it out. But yeah, so look at me. I have this crazy beard going on right now. So oh, please. I haven't trimmed it up. I haven't lined it up. It's, <laughs> it's, I, you know, I'm just, I'm wilding out right now. So. You're you, man. I know. Yeah, so, I know. It's good know. times over here, though. And you'll really be able to see the emotion that we feel in regards to Auburn as if you aren't already getting it through these episodes. But anyway, Jay and I are happy to have all of you here, whether you're listening or watching. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we are here to break down all the latest around Auburn athletics and obviously it's football season. So we are going to recap this past week's game and preview the one that is looming and, you know, uh, we've had a couple episodes back to back now that, you know, have included our honest thoughts about, you know, kind of the our, the pulse around the program right now. What's going on? Um, you know, obviously big conversation topics and then the results on the field. And they're, you know, not up to standard for Auburn. And I don't think that any fan would would say that otherwise. Are there bright spots? 100%. But should we be finishing a, a better product? Absolutely. So um, obviously this week kind of fell under that same narrative. I think uh, it was a, a super difficult way to lose. And, you know, you and I talked last week about the Missouri game. And even though it was a win, 
the way we won didn't really feel the same way. And I think it's not so much the results of these games, Jay. It's the way in which we're getting to them, whether it was the loss in the Penn State game, this week's loss to LSU after blowing a 17-point lead, and even the win over Missouri. The way in which we're getting to these results is what has everybody more up in arms than just losing two games. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you think about this football team, it's frustrating in a way because sometimes you see glimpses of them being like they can be a really good football team. Yeah. But we're always messing up in situations. And what I mean by that is third downs. We don't have a high percentage on third downs. And if you look at our last six power five games before we played LSU, we was we had zero conversions on third downs in the fourth quarters. Like that's mind boggling when I think mm -hmm. about those numbers. And then you think about Auburn, we've struggled in second quarter and the fourth quarter. And what do we do this week? We start off fast. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. We didn't score again since nine minutes and like 38 seconds to go in the second quarter. Right. And there was numerous opportunities for us to score touchdowns or get field goals. And, you know, this team is struggling right now, just trying to find their identity once get to the red zone and it's almost like they they retrace instead of like putting pressure on the defense attacking so and i'm not sure what's going on with carson you know this is a guy that we've been depending on for years and i'm thinking that because of offseason surgery that he had mm -hmm. and kicking 40 plus yarders those are the ones he's struggling at and it makes me wonder that because if, he, if his knee is still not completely 100% healthy, when he's planning to kick those longer kicks, it may be messing up his accuracy on the field goals. So sure. we may have to consider, okay, you could you kick 30 and in, and we'll let our other kicker kick the 40-plus because he's right. missed so many consistently right now that makes me just think, like, something's not right there. And yeah. when you think otherwise, this football team, that just, like – LSU game, we're right there. Some of the craziest things happen. I'm just like, yeah. guys, what is the issue? And some of it is, it was fourth and ten. I didn't agree with the first one. Me either. For the first one, because you punt that ball and put them right. in the back of the field. Because LSU offense was struggling. They had five and our yards defense was doing well. Half, and our defense was stopping them. And I'm like, you pin them deep. You get the ball in short field. You may go back down and score. But then you don't get it. They go down the field and score. Now they're they've taken the lead because we gave them great field position. Correct. So, you know, it's just things like that that we have to get better at in situational football. And, and even when Robbie lost five yards, when he was in the red zone in the fourth quarter on the first quarterback, they try to run a quarterback uh, run play, and he mm -hmm. bobbles the ball, goes out of bounds. You lose five yards, but then we dial up the the trick play, and. <laughs> I don't know. See, this like is that. why we're doing video. <laughs> I'm going to show exactly how I feel. <laughs> I know, but, but that's how everybody's stance was feeling after the play because I was sitting up there saying like, okay, I like the play call if it's first down because the defense is going to come up. They're going to attack the reverse and everything like that. I didn't okay. like it after we lost five yards because right. like now the defense like, okay, now they're second and long. So there's no need for us to we'll just play our defense and play back. So they wasn't gonna suck up on that D on that play in order for you to hit Cam the Brown in the back of the end zone. So they played right. soft. And then, you know, my guy Corey uh, Cor Moore, he gotta understand too. I gotta throw that ball away. You know, exactly. The worst he... thing can happen is turnover. Well, and you can see those kinds of things are so touch and go because if you're in a compromising situation, even you know, that close to the end zone, I just I 
I mean, heck, if it had worked, we would have been singing the praises, right? But you run such a high risk when you put a kid in that situation who is not a quarterback and doesn't understand the situational aspect of it. Because in that moment, if Robbie has the ball and it's breaking down, like, I don't even know where Coy was throwing it. There was no one in, like, Shanker had his back to him. So I don't know, like, you get it out. And it clearly was just a sign of a frantic, guy trying to make something out of nothing but if you are not getting the reps at the quarterback position you are almost doomed in a situation like that so we set him up for failure in a way and I those two scenarios I mean even on the broadcast Greg and and Tess were like I don't understand this and so that's where you know I think when you look when you watch Auburn play this year a lot of it is directly associated to the coaching a, a lot of it at discipline and play calling and things like that but and it is irritating everyone in post-game pressers or midweek pressers that Harson keeps talking about execution and he's not really putting you know emphasis on anything else or even really taking accountability he keeps talking about execution and I I think it's a combination of things because there were so many plays in this one that I was like okay that is just like error on the guy or just poor execution or what have you um but those situations make you scratch your head and you're going it, we're so many of us watching these games have never been a coach before I have never you know been able to experience what it's like to call a game and I can't even understand why you're doing that you know like it's it's so much of a, a confusing aspect of it when you've already got a team that you're claiming has execution errors so if you know that as a head coach that execution is still not up to par why are you throwing such crazy decisions out there for them to then try and handle? Yeah, they was definitely, I, I think sometimes you get caught into a habit where you're trying to do too much. And yeah. I think in that situation, they probably feel like, okay, we're going to call everything that's on the play sheet tonight. Because just looking at some of the guys and some of the plays early in the game, you can tell that they was running plays that they was used to running in practice. Yeah. And, you know, because they was, they look like a totally different offense in the first quarter. And I'm not sure if it's because of Robbie scrambling up and making plays on the run. You know, mm -hmm. he was throwing the ball, keeping his eyes down the field. And, you know, guys popping open. He hit Javarius Johnson for one. And then he also hit Jaquez for another one down the field. And he hit um, Tyler Fromm one time when he scrambled and had his eyes up. So those were huge plays that happened off schedule. Like, those not designed. Yeah. That's just a quarterback making a play. But some of the other things, the run game looked better. The offensive line blocked better. And we was the on the third The line looked better. Center. Yeah, we was on yep. our third center in, in council. So, you know, both of the other two guys are pretty much, I'm not sure what Tate's uh, injury prone right now is, but I know that you know, like Nate Brahms is done. He's retired. Right. And Tate's out. So the council came in. He did a really good job. And the offensive line, they gave Robbie some time, and they looked better. Like, everything looked more cohesive. But we yeah. still struggle in the situations. And that's where this team continues to get beat at is situation. And this is something I'm not sure. I'm not at their practices. But you always got to practice these in, these situations and say, hey, we're going live. We're not actually tackling one another. But we're going live. And you just have to react. We're going to put something mm -hmm. up here and say, hey, it's fourth and two. Or it's, it's third and one. Or it's third and five. Or we're backed up on the 40. It's fourth and ten. Do we decide to punt the ball? Do we take the delay of game, back up a little bit, give our punter a little bit more room, pin them deep? All right, defense, we got them pinned. Now you need to hold them so we get the ball back at a short field. We're up 17 to 14. 
at worst, we can go a 20 to 14 if we can't score a touchdown. So it's just things like that. You have to practice on those things. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying they don't because I'm not there, but it just seemed like you can see whether you're putting more emphasis on it or not because it shows up in games. Right. I think that that is such a key element of it because you can't expect a switch to get flipped when you're under the lights. So much of this does have to have an element of muscle memory and repetition. So maybe it's not that they're not practicing, but the amount in which the time they're allotting for it throughout the week, because it doesn't seem like when the going gets tough, they have an answer. And I I think a lot of that is obviously losing uh, or blowing a double digit lead. That's the fifth straight conference game where that has happened. We get off to a a strong start, maybe not as fast or as showy of a start. I thought this week was a fantastic start. I thought the offense looked way more capable than we've seen in a while. And we're utilizing the strengths that we all know we have. But it's also that second half, Jay. I mean, this has been a team that cannot score in the second half. And I was reading an article about the middle eight, and I hadn't really heard it termed that before. It's the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. So that eight-minute window right around halftime. We have been outscored 42-7 to in the middle eight. And I think that that carries such weight because it has a direct lead in to where we're struggling, which is down the end of the game. And that's where we're letting things go. And that's where we're not finishing. And it starts right before halftime, every game this season, every game guys, I'm even talking the first two against non-power five opponents, every opponent this season has scored a touchdown inside the final two minutes of the first half. And guys, they have all been at home. That should not happen. How does that happen? And like I said, the other thing is penalties. Like, we could have got off the field right before halftime the other night, and we get a hands to the face. And then on one time, our linebacker lines up on the edge, and he's in man, but all of a sudden, you abort the blitz when you see your guy free release. And the running Mm -hmm. back free release, and we forgot to, to say, oh, that's my guy, you know, running down the side. And they end up hitting for a big play and they get down to a three-yard line and they end up scoring two plays later. So a lot of times we're about to get off the field and we get a penalty. Yeah. So we spotted them seven points. You know, Robbie was trying to make a play, didn't feel the guy coming from behind him. And as time go, he'll get more experience with that. And the guy mm-hmm. makes a great play. They end up getting a touchdown. So that's a quick seven right there. And then, like I said, right for the half, you let them get another quick seven. So now who has the momentum going to the locker room? They do, even though we're up 17 to 14. Exactly. They're feeling like they're in control of the ball game because mm-hmm. everything has switched into that's the same thing that happened in the Penn State game. Same thing that happened in San Jose State game, where we was down 10 to 7 at the half. And so we're not finishing off second quarters, like you said, like the way we're supposed to. If you finish those quarters off and you don't give a team 17 to 7 and a half is a totally different ball game, 17 14, especially right. against the offense that was in the L, like LSU. Like they couldn't mm-hmm. do anything. And we spotted yeah. them. We spotted them seven. And then we basically gave them another seven before the half. So good football teams find ways to win. Bad football teams find ways to keep to giving lose. games away. And yeah. that's what's happening right now because we're, everyone say, oh, we're close, we're close, we're close. No, we're medium range. 
Yeah, and, I think so too. And everything, because if you're close, you're talking about three point games, seven point games. And you're talking about like, okay, two plays, you can probably point out, you know, that, Hey, we do this a little bit better. The game flips in our, t- in our corner. Mm-hmm. There was multiple times in this game where we have penalties at the wrong time, or we have turnovers at the wrong time, or, you know, we're doing things to make you scratch your head in, in certain situations. And for this football team to be where they are now, they honestly should be four and one. Like I know everybody say we should have lost, should have lost Missouri game. We got a gift. Well, if you go back and look at that game, Missouri never should have been in the game at the no. end of the game. We gave them opportunities just like we did this week in mm-hmm. LSU. We started off pounding on them. And for whatever reason, we always let off the gas. And when we do have mistakes and, and, and turnovers or, or something don't go our way, our recovery is not good. Like no. that's the next phase for this football team. If you mess up or you make a mistake, you got to know how to like short-term memory and bounce back. It's the almost like, back, yeah. yeah, it's almost like we hang on to stuff and it just affects the next series. Then the next series, I'm like, mm-hmm. you got to be able to just move on from that and, and, and worry about it later. But this team right now needs to understand how to bounce back. And they got to understand what finish is really is like, what, what is a, what is finish? And our coaches got to also understand this. If you see the same thing happening over and over, then there got to be some type of adjustments in the second half. If not at halftime, even in game adjustment in the third quarter, something's got to, you got to come up with something to say, okay, we need this. So. I feel like that a lot of that also comes down to leadership and I've been kind of curious where that exists this year because this isn't necessarily a quarterback situation that's gonna you know really grab you know that leadership role and rally the team I mean I you hope that they're able to in their own way but it's not somebody who's you know necessarily all that settled in at Auburn and representing the team in that way starting off right Exactly. And I know you've got it in a guy like Derek Hall, but I've wondered from that perspective and even looking on the sideline, like who is that guy that's telling them like, we have to finish, we, you know, shake it off. And those kinds of things, those intangibles, they matter and and they are reflected in your play. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure where that is. And, and maybe that's part of it as well. But I think what what makes a team almost there? Like you were saying, you know, hearing that we're close, we're close. Not really. We're still a couple steps back. I think, you know, a team is close when they're in the entirety of the game. It, it may maybe doesn't manifest itself in a win or even a point differential, but you see the team is in, you see that they're in there. You see the progress from zero to zero of, of the time. I'm not talking about score. Um, and I, like, I think of the Penn state game last year, that team was close. That team that showed up in that game on that day was almost there. I have not seen that a full four quarter progress driven game from Auburn all season. So that's why I'm saying they're not close. They're in that middle range, but they are not on the cusp of, an SEC championship or national championship caliber team. They are still a few steps back. And I think that there's a lot of reasons to it, but one, one positive that I think should be taken from it. And I want your opinion on this, of course, shocker is the quarterback. (laughs) I think Robbie has 
a hell of a lot of potential. And I think he has a really good shot to be a successful Auburn quarterback if things kind of shape up around him and if he finds tunes. Don't get me wrong. My guy would come up with some incredible. It was a little Bo Nix similar at times. He would pull something out of his hat, extend a play, some magical moment. And then the very next throw, you're like, the heck was that? Like (laughs) plant your feet, settle in, step up into the pocket and then hit your guy in stride. He would throw at feet. He would throw way ahead. Like there were some, you could tell rush decisions or maybe even lack of comfortability. But I think if you give this guy time and if you give him an offensive line that assists in that a little bit, I have hope in Robbie Ashford. I would build around him. Well, you hit the one thing you hit right on when you said comfortable. Yeah. And that's the thing. When Robbie gets outside the pocket, he looks supernatural. Like yeah. looking down he the field, it. throwing the ball, pulling the ball down. You know, he's in the open space where he likes to be. Yeah. So the pockets, the pocket thing for him has got to take, is going to come, you know, as he gradually continues to play and improve. So you can tell like his accuracy in the pocket is all about your feet. And it's all mm-hmm. about having your tar- having your body going towards your target and stepping into your throws. And sometimes I'm not sure if he's not feeling comfortable because early in the season they got so much pass rush and they just looking and try to get out of there. So I'm not right. setting my feet to make the throw because I think I'm going to have to move. Or as some of it is, you know, I'm just not comfortable just yet with just on my shorter throws or just some of my progressions and my reads. Like, is the receiver going to be there when he's supposed to be there? When I'm sure. ready to pull the, pull, you know, pull the trigger, like it's just things like that that I feel like it's gonna take some time. But in his comfort zone, I'm designing plays, and I'm Coach Keysaw, yeah, and Harson. Hey, let's get him on some bootlegs and waggles. You know, let's match protect some of it sometimes, so he gets outside the pocket. He don't have to worry about that guy coming from the blind side hitting him in the back. But we are gonna make sure his front side is open, so if anything is there, he can make one guy miss, or he can get on the edge and make the defense have to make a decision: do we come up or do we stay back? Because I guarantee you, right. George is watching the film this week, and they say, "Hey guys, when this guy scrambles, you need to stay locked to your man." Now yeah. it puts pressure on the linebacker that's coming up. They can't come up out of control because if he makes one guy miss, that can be 10, 15 yards easily. Mm-hmm. So he's going to put some pressure on the defense, but sometimes there have to be some design plays for this as well. So he's just not on an island by himself a lot because once you notice what a kid's ability and strengths are, then you start to tailor the offense to his abilities and strengths. Yes. Not against what he can't do, but what he can do. And then once he starts to work into the other aspect of it, then you can gradually move some of those things in there. So – Yes, he has a little ways to go from the pocket standpoint. I think, like mm-hmm. you said, it's about him getting comfortable and understanding. But we know what his strengths are now because see, we've seen enough games. Yeah, and I think the strengths fit so many of the pieces around him as well. And I, I think that everyone kind of locked in on what they were doing and, and how to kind of adapt a little bit better on the offensive side than we've seen. A lot more explosive plays this week than we've seen. The problem is sustaining that rhythm. Even within a, a series, you would have it, some electric first down play, and then second and third, it was gone like that. Like it, maintaining that is so pivotal. It's pivotal for your defense as well, who then is having to come back way too soon. But I think you saw glimpses of what it could be if it just maintains itself 
throughout an entirety of a series, a drive. And of course, the penalties are going to kill it every time. Any momentum you create will be gone. So I, I think that that's definitely a takeaway. I also think Jarquez Hunter is a fantastic back. I know that Tank is going to get you know, a lot of spotlight and a lot of accolades. He's really not having the season that anyone expected. And I know people talk about confusion about how he's being utilized and obviously the offensive line, but this is also a guy who somehow has been able to make something out of nothing. Let's not all act like we had a perfect offensive line the past few years. We really haven't. So it is kind of like, I'm not sure what's, what's going on with tank. I still think he's capable of more than what he's putting out there, but Jarquez, man, he's running like an early Tank Bigsby. I mean, he runs low. He runs hard. The first couple guys aren't going to take him down. It's taken three to four, and his yards after contact are impressive. They actually used him more in the the pass game. I think he had more yards in the passing game than than on the ground, but I'm really encouraged by that because we all know Tank is probably out of here after this year. I was encouraged by Robbie, and I think Javarius Johnson kind of showed what he's capable of a guy that I know you've been high on as well. He averaged 24.6 yards per catch because we were able to get some big plays going with him. We didn't throw it to him in a Missouri game. (laughs) And we didn't exactly make it make sense. I can't, Um, but we hit Tyler Fromm. We hit Samuel Shank, John Samuel Shanker. You know, we were including a lot more guys, Coy Moore, who, man, I wanted to shake the kid when he went on some podcast last week and was saying that he left LSU because he was better than all of their wide receivers, including Kayshawn Booty. I was like, keep your mouth closed. And then lo and behold, he's the one that ends up now granted that interception really looked uh, like a strip. I mean, the, the guy just came and yeah, got he took it. it from him. Yeah, he took, he it, from took him. it from him, but that stuff happens, man. If you talk too much, something is bound to happen. And I think that that unfortunately was part of that, but that ultimately kind of sealed the deal down there at the end with, with two minutes left. Well, like you said, you said some key things like Jacquez never gets his, his, his due credit. No, you know, because everyone has been hung up on tank ever since he came out of high school because he was a five-star running back and it's nothing wrong with that. But why can't people be okay with having another guy have success as well? You know, because yep. if you read the Twitter feed, sometimes everybody like, you know, where's Tank? Where's Tank? I'm like, dang, Jacquez is doing a pretty good He's job. He's doing great. Too. Right. Mm-hmm. Or there are some games we be like, okay, can Tank be in a little bit more? Yeah, sometimes. But it, we don't know what's going on. We don't know if the coach saying, hey, Jacquez may be a little bit better in pass protection or he may be a little bit right. better, you know, in, in the receiving aspect on third downs or, you know, or he may be better on certain run plays that's designed for zone and everything. And he he reads the zone a little bit better on certain guys. And then Tank has his plays that he's better at. So it's a mixture of trying to find opportunity for both of them because you would be mistaken if you think uh, if you think Jacque is supposed to sit on the sideline the entire yeah. game. We would be missing out on some huge plays that this kid makes in the passing game and the run game. Like, yep. so be open-minded to both of these guys sharing the backfield. And if you taint, if you feel like you got an, a, an opportunity to play at the next level, you don't want to get pounded so much by running the ball 30 exactly. times a game in college. 
when you can be saving your body a little bit more. So when you get to the NFL, you can have more carries added onto mm -hmm. your career. So mm -hmm. you have to some way want to balance. I know his numbers is not what he wants them to be right now. And a lot of reasons, you know, like I said, we have struggled up front in the offensive line. You know, he have gotten hit in the backfield a lot more this year. But at the same time, if we just stop looking for reasons and everybody to, to find excuses and start trying to find solutions, like we'll be a better football team. And that goes for everybody. And yeah. um, and I just feel like, like you said with Core Moore, these young kids got to understand I can't be around here popping off and my popping my mouth off and becoming a target. I'm setting a no. target for myself and you taking away from the team because now you're making it about yourself and not about mm -hmm. the team. And mm -hmm. what happens in that game? You have two plays that you probably wish you had back yep. and you probably beating yourself up about it because the things that you had put out there earlier this week, you don't do stuff like that. You never give another team bulletin board material. I don't right. care. I guarantee you Georgia played Missouri this past week. They thought they was going to go out there and blow them out. I guarantee you somebody gave something bulletin board material or something called Missouri played their hearts out to mm -hmm. beat that team. And they had mm -hmm. them. And so you don't, this game is every week, Saturday, Saturday. Anybody can be beat in the SEC after watching the SEC this much. Bama oh, yeah. is beatable. Georgia yep. is beatable. I was just like, Tess and m is not who everybody thought Tess was going to be because of all the recruits they signed. No. You still got to produce. I said, yep. and then you look at some of these other teams, they're all beatable. I was just yeah. like, but it's about finding solutions and not excuses and pulling for one another and take attention off your sales and put it on the team. Yep. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for a little bit of that. I mean, they were get they were already going to be chippy with him because he transferred mm -hmm. from there. Why are right. you going to add to that? It made right. no sense to me. But anyway, um, yeah, in terms of the run game, Tank had 45 yards on 12 carries and Jarquez had 25 yards on six carries and then two catches for 70 yards. So um, definitely think that he's somebody that you want to get use out of and, and Tank as well as best as you can. Like we mentioned earlier, the offensive line did shuffle again. Tate Johnson had an elbow injury. So Brandon council moved to center cam Stutz at left guard and Alec Jackson at right guard. But honestly, I felt like it kind of did a little better this week. I, I mean, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it, it certainly was not uh, the worst performance that we have seen from that group this season. And then of course it will be shuffled again this week. I, I don't think I gave Robbie's final numbers. He was 19 of 38 passing for 337 yards and two touchdowns. So before we move on to defense, we've been very offense heavy. And I'm just curious from your perspective, what did you like about the offensive game plan, scheme, what looked good to you that you think they should continue to capitalize on? Well, first they came out balanced on offense and first downs. Yeah. Uh, it's Missouri. I think we was 19 first downs. I believe 16 of them were runs. Wow. And we came out this game and our first three first downs was passes. Yeah. And, and that's what you need. You know, even if you don't complete them, you make the defense stay balanced. And you see what it kind of did. It kind of backed those guys up a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they probably said, okay, they're going to be more pass em um, emphasis this game. So it made LSU have a little bit of a different look. And like yeah. I said, so you have to become balanced on first down because I said that's when you get teams base defense most of the time. And that's when you can have a chance to hit some play action plays or hit some free outside shots or hitches and slants and different things because you get off coverage. So I, I like that aspect. I hope they continue that. The other aspect is 
you know, he ran the ball pretty good for the most part between tackles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought this time, whatever they was doing as far as getting pushed up front, I don't know if it's cause of council being at the center position and him having a relationship with the other two guards sure. uh, because they played together a little bit longer than Tate Johnson has been in there. And he looked like he knew the calls. He looked like he knew how to get them in the run and, uh, you know, on their run blocks. And so hopefully they can continue that. And people don't know this. He actually had experience at that position before he transferred to Auburn. So mm. this wasn't like his first go around at playing center. He's played all five positions before. So I think it kind of helps when you have a guy like that. Yeah. Um, the tight ends got involved in the game, you know, mm-hmm. in the passing game. I like that. You know, for years we've been screaming about get the tight ends involved. And, you know, they are finally getting involved. We just don't need to put them on reverses or anything, but they're yeah. finally getting involved in the offense. So I'm really liking that. And I'm liking the, all the different receivers that's touching the ball. You know, yeah. Camden Brown is a unseen talent that a lot of people don't know about. And I've been saying this guy's going to be special. Yeah. And I just hope we give him more shots when he's one-on-one outside because he's a six, four, six, five receiver. He's more like a giraffe. You know, he's <laughs> like he's a tall, lanky guy that can go get the football. And you know, you that's what you, you want that. Yeah. Like I said, Corey Moore touching the ball. He had a big Missouri game. He came back this game. He had some key catches. You know, he had a drop and had a guy take the ball from him on that on the interception. Uh, but other than that, though, he's been playing good football. You know, yeah. if you think about uh, Shedder Jackson is a guy I think that can help us if he can get more involved in the offense because mm-hmm. he has a physical body uh, to, to help us from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, like I said, we, so guys are touching the football, mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of can we be consistent and in our passing game because that will help our run game a whole lot. Then Tank can see more holes without the eight man in the box. Jacquez can see more holes. Then he can break those runs. Everybody wonder why Ole Miss running backs – two of their running backs are in top five in the SEC this deep in the season. Because the type of offense that they run, they can't put that eighth man in the box. So those guys, when they're running, when they break through the line of scrimmage, it's daylight. So, you know, so it's just things that we can do better offensively. And people that's not a position to be talking about no Lane Kiffin, I hope y'all know. (laughs) I know some people will be like, oh, he doesn't. Like, no, I'm just throwing analysis on why. Keep my mouth shut. Yeah, why, (laughs) (laughs) why they have two guys in the top five in the SEC when it comes to yeah. rushing. It's because of the type of offense that they run that moves people out of the box. And uh, right. I think Auburn can do that because we have the skill set. We just got to be more more, in, more cautious of calling those type of plays for these guys. Definitely. I also think this was not a great game for special teams. You already mentioned Anders missing a field goal, but a muffed punt also is going to completely deflate you. I understand it was down toward the end, but still, like if there's any chance of you pulling some magic off, those kinds of things have to be fine-tuned. Like those should be the things that you don't even question. So that's got to tighten up as well. But let's talk defense because this defense – once again, did a lot of things very well. I think that, um, you know, in certain situations we were exploited a little bit, but the the core pieces of this defense have played very well. Unfortunately, let's get the bat out of the way. We are now going to be down one of our most impactful guys for the rest yeah. of season. Eculiota, unfortunately, with a pectoral injury is going to keep him out for the rest of this year. I am heartbroken about that for him as I sure I'm sure he is as well this is a guy that going into season we were told you know this guy isn't getting all the hype because of Derek Hall and Owen Papo's return and what have you but 
watch watch out for Leota. And good gracious, has he done that? He has been a presence. He has been physical. He has been reliable. And so to lose a piece like that is pivotal. So they're actually, according to the depth chart, they're going to go to a 4-2-5 this week and bring in a nickel position, which is, you know, we'll get into that when we talk about the Georgia matchup. Obviously, Leota left the game during the LSU game. Marcus Bragg had to step in on the D-line. He he really did a, a good job considering the situation. He had four tackles and a sack. Colby Wooden also had five tackles, two for loss, one sack, and two quarterback hurries. The LSU offense in their win, just had 270 yards. And I gave you Robbie's stats a little while ago. He had 337 yards on his own. So um, that's definitely a, a testament to what the defense did. 185 on the ground. LSU quarterbacks, because Jaden Daniels ended up leaving a little bit early toward the end, their quarterbacks were just 10 of 26 for 85 yards. So I think more than anything, that shows that the secondary really stepped up. I thought the defensive backs and the corners did as well as you could. And then obviously at linebacker as well, Wesley Steiner and Owen Papo. Steiner had a career high 11 tackles, 10 of which were solo. And then Pap had eight tackles and a quarterback hurry. So I, I think that there's, if if I was going to critique the defense, I think it's a similar critique I have for the offense where necessary adjustments aren't always made in game or at second half or or what have you to kind of stop the bleeding. But there are guys out there that are flying around. They're playing hard. They're executing. And look, this defense does see the field an awful lot more than you would like them to. I think it was alleviated a little bit this week because of the explosive plays, but when you look at this thing and what the defense was up against as LSU gained momentum, they also had a capable back in Emory who really had some strong runs. That one touchdown run that he had into their end zone, I mean, multiple guys attempted to take him down. So give me your thoughts on the defense, how they were able to step up, especially once Leota had to leave the game. Yeah, I like this defense. Uh, just from the standpoint, if you look at how they played in the second half of the Penn State game and – compared to the last two games that they played, like they have answered the bell mm -hmm. and, you know, they've come back and, and show like why they can be a really good defense. If in the Missouri game, they did what they supposed to do to help us win that game yeah. and, and they hustle. And then you look into this game, like you said, when Keontae dropped the pot, it, I mean, the pot, when he dropped the punt, it was still, <laughs> a, it was still a pivotal part of the game. And, yeah. you know, Two plays later, we force a fumble and get the ball right back to the offense. Right. So from a defensive standpoint, you can ask for much more. Mm -hmm. Now, where they can where they can get better at though is closing out the second quarter. You yeah, know, they've definitely. given up touch, they've given up touchdowns going into halftime and most of all our games, which has given the other team momentum. Uh right. where the other team has come out and, and they've rode off of that energy going to halftime so that's the that's the part we have to get better at because you got to close our halves better and yeah. i would say that's that's the one thing this defense has to focus on and be better at now the other aspect is they wasn't creating turnovers early in the season now they're starting to create turnovers now mm -hmm. they're starting to get sacks you know we, we ain't getting that many sacks now we're getting sacks so mm -hmm. we're putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks we're making them have to move out of their pocket or feel uncomfortable 86 yards, 85 yards passing in a game, you would think you win that football game. Right. You know, uh, like I said, they only gave up 14 points. You know, like I said, the one was our offense gave them the seven on the sack fumble. But mm -hmm. defensively, they only gave up 14. And yeah. one was a really short field. 
because we decided to go for it on fourth and 10 and they got a short field. And they went down the field and scored. And the other, you know, was right before the half. So you can mm-hmm. eliminate those two drives and eliminate some of the penalties and everything. You know, this defense would be a, they'll be solid. They're solid yeah. enough for us to be winning games. Let's put it that way. Penn state Agreed. game was the only game where I feel like they didn't show up, but other, yeah. outside of that, they have been solid enough for us to be four and one. Yeah. Again, a couple penalties though. Even a guy like Derek Hall, who yeah. you know he yeah. knows better. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be more disciplined. Like I say, you know, you, you're trying to compete against that left tackle, and you get your mm-hmm. hands up around the neck area, and the next thing you know, you're pushing up against the face mask, and you gotta understand the situation. It's third down, yeah. you're about to get off the field. You know, you can't have those costly penalties. And right. I, I think we got a pass interference uh, one time mm-hmm. that gave him a. First I didn't down agree well. with that. Yeah, that was a bad LSU call. was in the red zone already. And then right. that, of course, put them in fantastic field possession. And I, when they did the replay, I was like, I don't see that. Right. I mean, right. there was some contact, but it was up high. And a lot of times that would not have gotten called. Yeah, that was very questionable. You got to let guys yeah. play. You got to know Agreed. the difference between letting guys play and then like, okay, what's a, what's an actual pass interference? You know, like, and that was on the same drive after we chose to not punt on the fourth and right. 10 and they already were in fantastic field position. Then right. we get a questionable PI call and they end up scoring. So that was a sequence of unfortunate events for sure. So from a coaching standpoint, if I'm Harson or, you know, Keesaw and I'm calling the plays and I'm looking, I'm saying, okay, our defense is playing lights out. Let's not help the other team with field position. So if we can pin them back. Let's let our defense get after them and right. create a short field for us. We don't have to go for the gunlet when it's fourth and 10. And I can understand he probably saying, well, hey, based off all the noise and everything, my back is against the wall. I'm calling call everything and just go for it and try to do everything I can to win games. Don't get caught into that, that doesn't mind- do it though. Yeah, don't get caught up into that mindset. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, let the noise be the noise, but still – Focus on what you can do on the field and making those solid choices and decisions to say, hey, what's best for my football team right now? Punt the ball. Pin them yeah. back. So I, I just think they can help our defense by not putting them in situations at times that have to, you know, hold down the fort. Like, we can help right. them out sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree. Because then you'll also take more time off the clock as well. And it was a close right. game, so that would have been beneficial in itself. So. That one I absolutely no can't even understand. Um, okay, so let's let's look ahead to this week because good gracious, do we have another insane task? Ooh. Arguably one of the toughest. It's the first road game of the season. That's what's crazy to think about, Jay. You mentioned it on last week's episode. This team has not even had to play in a rowdy environment. Well, a, an environment that is rowdy against them. They have been on their turf with their fans very comfortable in Jordan hair and have still come up short a couple times. And now they hit the road and they go to Sanford stadium, a place that has not been kind to Auburn in many years against a Georgia team that a lot of people have expected to contend for another national title. Now this past weekend certainly made you question things as I think is the nature. Whoops. I think is the nature of college football that as the season ebbs and flows, you think that, teams are invincible and then you're shown they are in fact human so I think when you look at Georgia this year and obviously if you 
aren't aware, I'm talking about Georgia against Missouri. They were down. They trailed majority of the game. They ended up winning 26 to 22, but it was a very ugly game for Georgia and certainly not what we saw. Let's go back to week one against Oregon. It was just insane, you know, and Missouri is not a team in the SEC that anyone expected to put up a fight against the dogs, but they did. Nonetheless, the thing with Georgia for me, when you look at them this season, I think it's a classic playing to the level of their opponent because they pummeled South Carolina. They pummeled Oregon. They played real tight with Kent State a couple weeks ago, and then Missouri had the lead majority of the game this past week. So what version of them are we going to get this week? For all intents and purposes, I think we could all expect that they're going to look much better than they did this past week, both because they're back home, because it's the Deep South's oldest rivalry, and because now there's talk, is Georgia really that good? Because Missouri was able to hang with them. They're going to have a vengeance this week, and we're going to be in the line of fire. But I think what Jay and I have talked about in terms of some offensive progression, you know, improvements from Robbie, stout defensive play, if Auburn builds on those and limits some of the self-inflicted wounds, some of the questionable play, questionable play calling and stays to themselves at, and the task at hand, we can stay in this thing. I, I think that it's going to be a very tough test for us. Uh, the FPI actually gives Georgia a 93.9% chance of winning. We are a 29 and a half point underdog. So there is that Auburn's offensive efficiency is currently at 40.8% compared to Georgia's 85.5% efficiency. And of course, they're the fifth defense in the nation. So now that I've given you all of that, and we're all feeling real good about this one, talk to me a little bit about this matchup, Jay. I know it's it's always a fun one for the fan base. Still not used to it being in October, but um, talk to me a little bit if you have any stories from your time, and then also what uh, what you're looking for in this matchup for the Tigers to bounce back, as you said. Yeah, I feel like this game has always been a great college football game. Um, it's ironic that we have LSU and Georgia back to back. I know it's you weird. Know, let's, I don't think that's ever happened. Like I said, Georgia's always been in November. I still think of this game being in November, and I'm still trying Same. to wrap my mind around having it in October, <laughs> which is still great football weather, but I'm used to it being a little bit colder, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and you can anticipate the Georgia game because it's always two weeks before the Alabama game. You know, you just play Georgia, then you get that split, and then I'll say you play each other, play Bama. This game, I think Georgia is reeling from a standpoint because some teams play better when they are, are the chasers. Mm-hmm. Some teams can't handle the pressure of being ranked number one and having people chase them. That's why you have to get saving so much credit for so many years because yeah. – they always get everyone's best shot. Everybody wants to knock off, knock them off. Georgia is now becoming that team where everyone wants to knock them off. And and you start to see things unravel a little bit when they're in a dog fight in a game where they didn't feel like they should have been in against Missouri. They start to argue with each other and, and different things. Why? Pressure bust pipes. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're having some, they, they're feeling the pressure of we got to live up to the number one ranking or we got to live up to this. And that's why them and Bama and whoever else, they'll alternate throughout the year. 
And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Who even cares? As long as you're in the top four at the end of the year, right. it's all that matters. So sooner it'll be 12. And mm -hmm. that way to open the door for a lot of other teams, which is going to make college football a lot more interesting. Uh, when I think about this game, though, Auburn has a chance if they can go in there and create pressure on Bennett. The first couple yeah. of games, he lit it up. He's starting to struggle a little bit these last two games. And defenses have kind of gotten after him. So I, I believe if you can create pressure mm -hmm. by – Cause we're going to have to dial up some blitzes. Let's just yeah, be honest. They have saying. a they have a massive offensive line, and you can't just win these one on one battles all the time, and and think you're going to get to the quarterback. Like mm -hmm. you have got to sometimes come after him, and make him have to get rid of the ball, force him into some bad decisions. Hopefully, we can get a sack fumble, but we also have to do some run blitzes in this game because yeah. Georgia's a team that loves to run the football. Mm -hmm. And you got to do some run blitzes to stop the A gaps and the B gaps and everything and force them to have to throw the ball a little bit more. Now, with that being said, who are their most prized possessions on offense? They're tight ends. Yeah. Like their tight ends are three of the best tight ends in all of college football. Probably going to all be three first round draft picks. Like, yeah. So that's a huge task for Owen and, you know, like Steiner. And one thing we didn't talk about our defense, where was Cam Riley this past weekend? You know, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't see Cam Riley. He's been our leading tackler for the most of the season in a tackling machine. So it makes me wonder, will we see Cam this week? Because Cam right. is a tall linebacker. He's 6'4". He's about 220-some pounds. He reminds mm -hmm. me of Carlos Dansby's mm -hmm. uh, frame. So you need him against these big these big tight ends that Georgia have, uh, you know, just from a matchup standpoint. So it's going to be very interesting. That's why I think we'll go to a four-two-five this week, like you were saying. I yeah. think, yes, with, you know, with, with Leota out for the year, that changes things. But also I think they was going to do that regardless because of the type of tight ends that they have. We need, an, we need an extra DB in a game that can cover these tight ends because you right. have to play them like a receiver. That's how much they utilize them. So if that keeps Keontae Scott in the game, and sometimes he plays corner, sometimes he plays nickel, that can bring Jalen Simpson in the game. Sometimes we move around Zion Puckett sometimes. So we need five DBs in the game against this team just because of how they utilize their offensive guys. Yeah. And, man, the Stetson Bennett story has certainly been a surprise in college football and, and kind of how he – came into this role and then solidified his place there. He's thrown for 1,536 yards already this season, five touchdowns, one interception, 69.5% passing. Brock Bowers leads with 342 receiving yards. McConkie, who literally looks like he's eight years old, 266. And Kenny McIntosh, a team high 22 catches for 237 yards. Now, one thing that they have struggled with in the past two games and man, they're synonymous with a, you know, confusing result, even though they pulled out wins in both of them, you would expect to see a big difference. It's turnovers, man. I mean, like they just make such a big difference in the grand scheme of the game. They have had five turnovers in their past two games and zero the first three weeks. That just tells you all you need to know. I mean, the, the impact that that has on the entirety of the game. So if we can capitalize on that if we can force them into some compromising situations making bad decisions being kind of loose with the ball and keep them on that turnover trajectory that they have kind of found themselves in the past couple of weeks it's clear that it kind of messes with their psyche a little bit you can look at that in the past two games it's also been interesting to note they lead the nation 
in getting to the red zone. They have had 31 trips to the red zone this year. So this is a team with a major ability to drive downfield and get into the red zone often throughout the game. They have had 11 field goals out of those 31, though. They had four straight field goals when they got to the red zone against Missouri this past week. So if our red zone defense can stand up, because I do think this is, like I said, a team that is able to drive downfield, and I think that they'll find ways to do that, especially on their home turf. But once you get them in that, if you really lay it on thick, this is a team that has been, you know, compromising that and having to go for field goals often, even as recent as last week. So those are a couple things that I have seen slip wise the past couple of weeks that our defense could very well key in on. Now, the flip of that, the narrative's kind of the same for us. We have been, we've had a couple turnovers, penalties have been a problem. And how are we performing in the red zone? Georgia knows that about us the same way we're going to know that about them. Now, a big key factor of this one, Jay, Georgia is going to be out defensive lineman Jalen Carter. This is one of their most talented guys on that number five ranked defense. He's out with a knee injury. This is a 6'3", 310-pound junior projected to be an early first-round pick. So his absence on the defensive line is certainly notable. Do they have capable guys in the wings ready to step in? You betcha. But this guy's presence is important to them. And so for him not to be out there, that is a strike in the Auburn advantage column. Yeah, when you was talking, I was definitely on their site just kind of reading up some things on Georgia. And Mm -hmm. they're a stack. Let's just be honest. Last five years, they've been top five recruiting, you know, and that's what Kirby does. You know, he recruits. Yeah. If one guy gets hurt, another guy's opportunity. And they just keep stacking and stacking. So there won't be much of a drop-off and whoever they put at that position. Yep. Um, that's the luxury of having great recruiting classes. Um, you know, you think about this just for an example, and they talk about how they want to defend Robbie Ashford. They mm-hmm. know a lot about Robbie. They said they recruited him out of high school. And, uh, and he's a tremendous athlete and everything. Yeah. And, you know, Kirby, I could see him recruiting Robbie as, you know, quarterback, also as a DB probably because you saw the way that Robbie hit hit the defensive back on Saturday night. Man, <laughs> on the one hand, I was like, heck yeah, Robbie. And then on the other, I was like, boy, if you get hurt doing something like that, I'm going to be so mad. Right, because he had already had a shoulder injury from the Missouri game. So be he, careful. He lit that guy up. I was like, man. He really did, like, though. But, uh, so – they're going to understand, like, they're going to play what you call spy on the quarterback. Yeah. So they have one guy spying on the quarterback, and they'll rush, but not try to rush out of gaps. So what mm. that means for us offensively, that means we got to be very efficient in our passing game. And everything doesn't have to be down the field. We may have to methodically move, methodically move the ball down the field without trying to turn the ball over. That's what yeah. – some intermediates we really didn't see much of that right we didn't see a lot of that so most of the deeper plays like i said was robbie creating plays outside the pocket was eyes down the field so can Mm -hmm. we be an offense that the the determining factor can we be an offense that can stay on schedule in this game and have 10 or 12 play drives and not turn the ball over defensively can we bend but not break that means they're going to hit some plays we know that it's college football Mm -hmm. but can we do what we kind of done the last two weeks is you bend a little bit, but you don't break and let the team finish them off with touchdown. You make them settle for field goals. Right. And, and can we stop the roller coaster? Because we understand in this game, there's going to be some highs. There's going to be some lows. When Georgia come out and it's a home game, it's a deep south oldest rivalry. 
it's going to be a lot of energy in the stadium. And mm-hmm. they want to prove to people that they're better than what they shown last week. Kirby Smart is fussing and 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 running guys like crazy this week. You better believe. Oh, he yeah. Was not, he was nice in front of the cameras, but you already know when he He's got pissed. to that locker room. <laughs> oh, yeah. he Oh, yeah. He can say what he want to say. This is the SEC and all that type of stuff. You better be ready. But that's true. But at the same time, you know that there are certain teams that you're supposed to beat handily. Handle. Yep. And, and when you know you got away with one, your intent is like, okay, it's time to get back to business. So mm-hmm. Auburn got to understand, you're going to get Georgia's best shot early. Can you withstand the storm that they're going to try to bring early? Mm-hmm. Can you match their intensity early? Can you come out as well and try to get off this bad taste out of your mouth from last week and hit and meet force with force and say, no, 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 this is going to be a four-quarter football game all day today. We're bringing it because we get a bye week after this. So there's no need for us to rest anybody. We need to go out there with all force this week and just go at it. We I don't want to become a broken record, but it is the case that that LSU game we pinpointed as kind of a turning point one way or the other in terms mm-hmm. of SEC play. We didn't expect Missouri would be a turning point, and Penn State we thought was going to tell us a lot, but if we're talking conference, mm-hmm. we pinpointed LSU and what we do from here could go one of two ways, obviously. Wow, smart. Um, So this Georgia game on the road, incredibly difficult. Then you go into Oxford, and clearly Ole Miss is rolling right now. Big win over Kentucky this past week, so that's another tough one. And then you get into the bye week, but it really doesn't let up. I believe it's Arkansas after that. So what happens from here? And I I don't believe in moral victories, don't get me wrong, but the – way in which we are going about football games is what I want to see improve. I, and I, I felt like in the first half this week until like four minutes before halftime when they scored, I felt like we saw progress there and I felt like it looked like more of a, a complete team and a a team that knew where they were going, knew what they were trying to implement. Maybe it's not perfect, but we know what we're supposed to do and and what our task is. I want to continue to see that. Do I hope that we can put wins up there with it? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm fearful of the wheels falling off at this point because we know what all looms Georgia on the road, Ole Miss on the road, everyone on the road from here on a lot of sec play and let's call a spade a spade jay conversations around our head coach are not letting up anytime soon so you've got that element along with it and all the noise and the chaos that is distracting everyone it's inevitable for it too so i'm more concerned with continuing to see progress continuing to see an Auburn-like brand of football put on the field, and the results will fall where they may. But what the next few weeks look like is up to those guys in the jerseys. Yeah, it's like this. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. Um, But we understand where we're at right now with our program as far as, like, trying to develop, you know, trying trying to get back to being a dominant program. But the thing that people respect mostly is what most respected this past weekend was the effort. You know, mm-hmm. they saw the effort was there. They saw the team was trying. And even though they came up short, they can kind of respect it a little bit. Now, they still, you know, there's still things we can work on, but it looked totally different than it did those first couple of games. Yeah. And, uh, and I think 
moving forward, that's something to build off of if you're the team. If you're sitting in that locker room and you're on that coaching staff, you can say, we can build off of this. You know, like we can show the guys the film. We can show them the four or five plays that changed the outcome of that game that mm-hmm. could have been in our favor. So if we can continue to play with the same energy and play with the same confidence moving forward, win or lose, you can gain and, and, and win people respect mm-hmm. uh, from that standpoint. Now, is there a gauntlet of schedule? That's the problem with playing five home games in a row. Right. Oh, so you know the back end is going to be loaded, and you know you're going to, have to go into enemy's territory, and you're going to have to win some games because that's why you want to take advantage of the home games, and you was hoping to go five and zero oh because you know what we got coming up against us is a tough, tough task, and we haven't yeah. played on the road yet this year, so we don't know how the kid is going to respond. We don't know how our offensive line is going to communicate on the road. We mm-hmm. don't know. You know, we have young quarterbacks. We don't know how they're going to respond on the road in a hostile environment. When things don't go right, who's going to be the guy to say, hey, let's get it together. Let's focus. Let's lock in because that's a player's thing. You know, you got guys on the sideline got to come together, not not separate, but come together. So who's going to be those guys that's going to lead us on the road and understand, look, it's us against them. We're locked together and we're going against the team and the fans is in the stands. Like, yeah. What are we going to do about it and how are we going to do it? I can respect effort any day, but what you can't do is just go out there and not look like you're into this game. So right. got, uh, so everyone knows, understand the schedule is coming up, but you know, say my thing is that's why you play the game. Exactly. You exactly. Pre- yeah. You don't preach the sermon, but that's why you play the game. Yeah. True competitors will want that. So it's just building on, week to week. And, you know, it's hard. I don't think that Auburn has been in a situation like this in a while where, you know, Auburn fans, we love to keep hope, right? Because so many times craziness has happened, you know, in season, it doesn't look like it's going to happen for us, but then cards fall in the appropriate way. And we do this season. I think the writing's on the wall that this is not our year. You know, this is more of a, a building year. This is potentially another year that will include change for all we know we have you know still shuffling at the quarterback position guys that are for all intents and purposes unproven just yet so I think knowing that you kind of your goals change a little bit obviously you still want to win but the the caliber of you know, effort that you're seeing on the field, the, the improvement of skill, the disciplined, uh, you know, play and ultimate progress week to week. And that's the focus. And that's the, you know, the goal that you want to see weekend and week out and the result will take care of itself, if, you know, as a, a byproduct of that effort. So yeah. people want to see I wins. Hope that. can they see wins? They want to see like, can we see wins down the road based off what we mm-hmm. see now? Right. That's right. literally what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be immediacy this year. It's not going to be, you know, opening every Saturday with the expectation that we're going to head into an SEC championship by the end of the end of the year. But right. a lot of good could come off of it if it's done the right way. So 
That's ultimately what I care about, and we will get the opportunity to see it this week down in Athens. It is the 2.30 Central CBS window, so make sure you tune in if you're not going down to Athens. If you are going to Athens, be careful. Grown men will bark in your face. Um, Also, one more note I wanted to give. Auburn has put walk-on quarterback Trey Lindsey on scholarship, so we now have added another scholarship player to the quarterback room. The depth chart remains the same this week with Robbie Ashford listed as starter and Holden or TJ listed as backup. But now you've got Trey Lindsey available as well, as we covered last week. Zach Calzada undergoing surgery surgery and will choose a medical red shirt for the year so just a little update something about tj though what do you mean i don't think that was a good look uh what happened a couple weeks ago i guess his dad went on a podcast and kind of you know put some things because because, that always goes well all right you know people may people may apologize but What's the done dam- is done. The damage is kind of done. You know, there's mm-hmm. a reason they're putting this kid on scholarship in the middle of the season. Now, maybe he's yeah. earned it, which is, you know, great for him. And I'm happy for him and his family. But it also says something about them moving forward uh, with the TJ and the, uh, Robbie situation. I also think that they have zero intention, regardless what happens, they have zero intention of burning Holden's red shirt. For the year, I really don't think they want that to go. So if something happens to Robbie, I think the the really only one that they would be willing to go with for the entirety of season would be TJ. And you're right. I think that shows a lack of trust or real belief in him, which is ironic that he was named the starter at the beginning of the season. I don't freaking understand. But anyway, just wanted to update you that that news came out of Auburn this morning. So with that... We will say goodbye here on Believe in Everything Auburn. As always, thank you so much for listening and following along. Apologies for the issues with Apple last week. They were just having some issues getting episodes uploaded, but we are still available in the Apple Podcast app. Spotify, Believe's website, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a review, thumbs up. Find us on social media, interact with us on there as well. And then come on back next week to talk about the tigers and the dogs. Have a good week, everybody. War Eagle. War Eagle. May have a guess. Never know. You never know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.